0: reaction because reaction is based in fear. And we never make good executive decisions when they are fear-based. Because like I said, we, we are afraid of our feelings. We are afraid of the, you know, we get into these future projections around, well, what's going to happen with this? And in one more week, if I don't have a job then I'm going to, you know, right now you are okay right now. And there's no value to worrying about the future because it's not here yet. The only thing that you have is right now and practice holding these strong emotions in your body. And I, am of the opinion that everybody has that capacity like you are not you are never given anything that you do not have the capacity to deal with welcome back to the better podcast with yours truly dr stephanie estima this show is for high-performing women who want better bodies better minds better relationships better sex and better families and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Hello, friends, and welcome to a special podcast episode. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. And today we are going to be talking about anxiety and fear and uncertainty in light of this global pandemic surrounding the coronavirus. And this solo episode was really born out of an email that I sent to my tribe a few days ago now. And the email was simply, what do you need from me right now? And I had sent this email because I wanted to really get my finger on the pulse in terms of how people were feeling and how people were doing. And the response overwhelmingly was, people are scared. People are feeling incredible amounts of anxiety. There's a lot of mental health issues that are happening. And I wanted to come on here to talk about anxiety, to talk about fear and the uncertainty that people are experiencing, and then give you a reframe for what that means and how we can be dealing with this in the best way possible. is such the anxiousness and the fear that everybody is experiencing i wanted to just point out a very interesting observation that i have been making over the past several weeks and that is that it seems to be that there are two very distinct camps when it comes to the coronavirus so there's one camp that seems to think that they that this is not a big deal that the, you know, we hear them comparing the coronavirus to the mortality rates of influenza and other seasonal issues, and they are in complete denial. They do not believe that this is a real thing, and you can actually see them shutting down when you present them with facts around the exponential rate of infection and the mechanism of entry of the virus. You can just see them kind of shutting down, and they don't want to hear anything that does not relate to the schema that they have created around it. And then you have the other extreme where people think that the sky is falling, that the floor or you know the rug is being ripped out from underneath them and they are in a state of panic where they have no idea around what is coming in the next day. We have information that's changing literally day by day and they have no idea about their financial um, health, their emotional health, the people around them. Everybody's scared and everybody's panicking. And then you have some people in between, but for the most part, there's this very wide swing. There's this huge oscillatory dichotomy between people who think that nothing's really happening, it's not really real, and that everything is coming to a halt and it's Armageddon as we know it. And I wanted to just make a comment around that because I think that what we are seeing is something that I don't think anybody who's listening to this podcast or anybody in the world has really seen before. And I think that what we are witnessing is that, and what we are feeling, which potentially is driving the anxiety and the fear and the uncertainty, is that our control around things is being taken away so we see schools are being shut down air, airports are shutting down borders are closing and our control is being taken away and when we see that when we rel- when we see such an extreme reaction in the external world what we often will do is go into our internal schemas and our internal our experiences and we'll say okay what do we know what have we experienced what have we witnessed as children or teenagers or young adults that looks like this so that I can fall back on that pattern, that preparatory or that pre-programmed pattern on how to deal with it. And of course, not many of us have experienced anything to this magnitude. And when we don't have a program with which to fall back on, that can be driving a lot of the anxiety that we're feeling. And Particularly for the people who are denying that this is not a serious issue, usually what that means when they don't want to hear facts or they want to shuck it off as something that is unimportant is it's usually a sign of past trauma, you know, and when you that you have not metabolized, that you have not sat with and that you have not moved through. Because very often we see people with type A personalities or people who are very um who are control freaks and that is born out of trauma so whether that is a trauma response from childhood or from whenever it is it is very clear that that person needs to control everything in their world so that they can be able to predict the future and the shucking of the facts the shucking of the or the denial that this is a real thing is also part of that trauma response and i share that with you so that you can have compassion for people who you see behaving in this way. And I have been in some discussions with people like this who are healthcare providers, incredibly intelligent uh, medical doctors and natural healthcare providers. And when I see the complete disregard for unbiased facts. This is really a response, a trauma response. So I say this because you undoubtedly are going to see people like this around you. You may also be experiencing this yourself or you're saying, this is not really a big deal. I don't know why Dr. Stefan keeps talking about this or why everybody keeps talking about this. And I want to invite you to try on the idea that this may be born out of an unmetabolized or an unprocessed trauma response. And I think at the end of the day, what is happening here is that we all really just want to feel safe, right? We all, this uncertainty makes us feel unsafe. And when we think about what safety means, of course, when we think about our, if you are a parent, when you think about safety for your children, as as children, we, we we require safety in order to thrive. We require protection from our primary caregivers, whether that's your you know, the, the fab four I call them, your mothers, your fathers, your teachers, your preachers. You will adopt their belief systems, you will adopt their narrative in order for you to be accepted by them. So that you can remain protected and as children this is a we we all do this as children we take on our parents belief system so that we can get love in exchange but as adults safety is a completely different meaning and what we're seeing right now is because we have so many people walking around with trauma responses or that are just, emotionally underdeveloped. We are now regressing into that childlike psyche and we are looking to authority figures like the government and other, other areas of authority to keep us safe. We are looking to people to keep us safe. And, you know, without getting into the politics, um, Because what's happening in the political forum right now, in my opinion, is just completely disgraceful. But for the most part, I would say that most governments, especially uh, and even right here at home in the US, and I am beginning to lump Canada into that as well, most governments have failed their people in terms of communicating effectively, in terms of creating the necessary boundaries to keep us safe. And I say this in the vein of the late Nathaniel Brandon, who uh, wrote The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. I'll put that in the show notes for you if you want to look it up. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. As an adult, one of the things that we have to do is accept responsibility that nobody is coming to save us, that only we can provide the safety and the nourishing environment for which we can thrive in, and once we accept that personal responsibility of creating safety for ourselves then we can begin to develop the skill set to be adaptive to whether it is an internal environment issue or it is an external environment issue like we're seeing here that we can acquire the mindset or the skill set or the tools in our toolbox in order to be adaptive and i know that that is a that's something hard to hear for people because we often want to look for other people to save us. But this is a beautiful example of, you know, we're all kind of in this together, and it is really important for us to be able to take responsibility for ourselves in order to make ourselves feel safe and to nourish the inner child within us uh, to feel safe and to be able to flourish. So with that being said, So as adults, taking responsibility for absolutely everything around us so that we can begin to change and to see that change or that metamorphosis serve us rather than destroy us, I want to say a couple things about fear and anxiety itself. And I know that this may sound a little crazy, but I want you to allow yourself to feel scared. And I want, it's, okay to, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to have the fear come up right now because it is an uncertain time because we have this novel virus and we don't really have quite a handle on how to contain it. And like I said, our governments are, for the most part, completely failing us. So you can allow yourself to be scared and to feel scared and to hold space For that scared, and that is how we become whole. And as a society in general, I would say that we are so afraid of our feelings. You know, this is why the antidepressants are, you know, the top. I I don't have the exact stat off the top of my head, but they are one of the most prescribed medications because we don't want to feel our feelings, we want to be able to numb them so that we can continue pushing forward. But it is in the fear, it is in the holding space for those very scary feelings that we're taught culturally to shuck or we are taught culturally to ignore or to repress is how you become, how you can birth a new person, a person who you accept Fully, so you are accepting the you know the brightest and the most beautiful and the most luminous version of yourself, but you're also accepting and loving the lazy, ugly, incompetent sloth that lives within all of us as well. And you don't need to change how you feel in order to be okay, you know, as a human a whole human being we can be very much scared and ha- have no need no desire to do anything about it and what that does is it allows you to marinate in that feeling of anxiety or marinate in that feeling of fear and in that way we metabolize it we can take the edge off of it we can take off that energetic charge that it has And the ability for you to move towards accepting what is right in front of you as what is rather than needing to manipulate it is where I'm really, what I'm trying to drive home. And I had a really wonderful conversation with Jennifer Kalari on an earlier podcast. I would highly recommend you check that out. It was, we were talking about this in the context of parenting but I think that this co- this comes into play when we talk about self-parenting, because when you are in the present moment, when you are in the right now, rather than spiraling off into the future, like what's going to happen in my job, and my home, and my family, and my kids and money, if you are right here right now and you can sit in your body with that fear, if you can sit in the anxiety and learn how to be okay with it you you will make better decisions the the decisions that you make will be a an appropriate response to the environment rather than a reaction to the environment and Jennifer and I talk a lot about this on the podcast this idea of contrasting responsiveness with reactivity and it's worth a listen if you haven't uh, already done so so I'll, I'll pop that link in the show notes as well but if you can respond in the present moment understanding that you are okay right now versus reaction because reaction is based in fear and we never make good executive decisions when they are fear-based. Because like I said, we we are afraid of our feelings. We are afraid of the, f- you know, we get into these future projections around, well, what's going to happen with this? And in one more week, if I don't have a job, then I'm going to, you know, right now you are okay right now. And it, there's no value to worrying about the future because it's not here yet. The only thing that you have is right now. And practice holding these strong emotions in your body. And I am of the opinion that everybody has that capacity. Like you are not, you are never given anything that you do not have the capacity to deal with. And this is a wonderful example of how we can begin to develop the skill set to think about what we need to do in the immediate term, which we're gonna talk about now, but also. I want to bring up a potential thought or a seed to grow in the soil of your mind, which is what are we going to do after this is over? Because chances are this is not going to last forever. And there are going to be precautionary measures, there are going to be safety measures that are put in place for all of us. But how are we going to take radical responsibility for where we are right now. If you are feeling particularly vulnerable, so, uh, and when I say that, I'm referring to specifically contracting the coronavirus and some of the complications that it has. So we know that some of the complications, of course, are being overweight, uh, having cardiovascular uh, disease, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, Uh, type 1 diabetes also falls in there as well. But what I'm really driving, the point I'm really trying to drive home here is how can we take responsibility for our health that is not dictated by the government and we are doing what we know that is right for ourselves right now and potentially over the next three or four months? You know, how can we, if we have excess weight, how can we begin to step into the metamorphosis of losing that weight? Uh, and I'm, and of course, when I'm talking about weight loss, I'm not talking about so you look hot on your, you know, in your bikini for your trip to wherever. I'm talking about excess adiposity, visceral adiposity, like the excess weight that uh, that um, men and women carry around the abdomen and that put pressure on our organs. Like this is the adiposity, this is the excess um, energy storage that we need to release. And for many of us, a lot of that excess weight is emotional weight. We, I can't tell you how many women have said to me they have had some sort of trauma, whether it's, we call it big T trauma or little T trauma. But I'll give you an example of uh, a woman who I was working with a couple of months ago, and she had relayed to me that she had been raped. She had been sexually assaulted multiple times uh, by a family member. And Her putting on weight, so she would uh, excessively eat uh, lots of food that she knew was not good for her, but she did that as a protection mechanism so that she would in some way, uh, consciously or unconsciously, look as bad as she possibly could to other potential predators um, so that she would not fall victim to that again. And I'm not saying that it's easy to to get over uh, a trauma like that. Of course, I think that 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 requires a lot of introspection and it requires a lot of deep work for us to feel safe within our bodies when something like that has happened. But this is something that I want to really push in terms of a narrative. When we think about the coronavirus, how can we make ourselves the most resilient that we can, both mentally, which is the point of today's Podcast, and we're going to get to some of the my best tips and practices, both what I'm doing and what we know is true in the science in just a moment. But how can we make ourselves resilient from a from, like how can we develop mental resilience but also cellular resistance as well? How can we make ourselves the strongest, the biggest, baddest, you know, most resilient cells that we can? And there are many ways that we can do that, of which I'm going to outline some of them for you today. But my narrative, here is that we must take responsibility for ourselves. And if that's weight loss, of course, I'm going to, there's some things that I'm going to share with you today. Uh, And if that's cardiovascular disease, hypertension, of course, these are all very, very, and I'm using air quotes so you can't see my hands, but treatable uh, lifestyle diseases that can be modified and that can be improved with lifestyle medicine. So, I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, Without further ado, let's talk about some things that you can start doing from home as you are practicing social distancing. And in the event that they're, that you are quarantined or that your city or your town is locked down, which can be very scary, you have so much control over your personal everyday uh, behaviors that will contribute to a healthy mindset. So I'll share a couple things that I'm doing and so, a couple things that are um, backed up by lots and lots of science. So, the first thing in the morning, I would encourage you, if it is possible, for you to make your bed. So, you wake up and make your bed. And especially if you are working from home right now and you see your bedroom multiple times a uh, day is on the same floor as where you are choosing to work from, the visual of an unkept bed is very cluttering to the mind. And we know that our external environment is often a reflection of our inter- internal environment. And in the bed for most people is the center stage in your bedroom. There's not much else in 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 most people's bedrooms. I mean, you may have you know, a chair or you may have, you know, um, a dresser or something or some nightstands. But for the most part, the the bed is the main piece of furniture in your bedroom. So if that thing is neat, all of a sudden the rest of the bedroom looks like it is much more kept and tidy. And who knows, it might encourage you to clean up the bedroom and make it into the sanctuary that it needs to be. So making your bed every day, I think, is a wonderful way to start off with something already being done. So it's already like something that you can check off on your to-do list. The second thing that has been incredibly useful for me is journaling. Now, I tend to journal in the evening, but I know a lot of you, and I've heard from a lot of practitioners who really love to journal first thing in the morning. So I will leave whether the journaling comes first thing in the morning or as you're winding down to go to bed. Uh, up to you, but I can give you a couple of questions that you can answer or a couple of sentence stems in the evening if you're filling it out in the evening for you to fill out that will bring you into a state of gratitude and into a state of appreciation. And when we talk about this in neuro, in the, in the neurological sense, being in a state of gratitude is being is an activation of your prefrontal cortex. So this is an area in the frontal lobe. It is the last area to develop developmentally, which is why we look at teenagers and we think that they have adult brains, but they don't. This is why they often make terrible decisions. But um, the prefrontal cortex is your executive center in your brain. And it is the area of the brain that modulates and controls some of your lower brain uh, areas. So your limbic center, Uh, areas like your amygdala, which are involved in your anger and your emotional response and the limbic system in general, which is your emotional networks. So when we have a very strong prefrontal cortex, which is what we can hack into by practicing gratitude, whether it's in the morning or the evening or both, this is a really good way to strengthen up the um, the neural strength or the neural integrity of the prefrontal cortex in order to help Bring down some of the activity in your emotional centers, because we all know we've all had that experience where you know if we are a parent, you've yelled at your you've snapped at your kid for you know a silly reason, and afterwards you're like, "God, what the heck is wrong with me? Or maybe that's been with um with your partner or a friend where you have been distracted or you have been ruminating about something emotionally and then something comes in that just kind of tips you off or, or, or is the last straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak, and we snap. And that is really a demonstration when we look at this from a brain function perspective when your prefrontal cortex goes offline, shuts down, and your emotional centers take over. And of course, if you're a parent, you know the guilt that ensues from that. Um, and um, and of course, if you're not a parent, you know if you've ever yelled at your pets or you ever yelled at your partner or your friends how terrible you feel after that once your prefrontal cortex comes back online because that's your brain saying like, hey, that was a really bad decision. So journaling. Um, two ways to journal one would be stream of conscious uh, blah blah my mouth can't work stream of consciousness journaling. So that is really anything and everything that's coming to your mind it comes out on the paper so that could be, how you're feeling? That could be things that you want to discuss with your partner today. It could be your, you know, you have to get your the blues washed in the laundry today. It could be that you need to defrost uh, steak from the freezer in order to make dinner tonight. And with that, I'm of course sharing with you all the things that I have been journaling about recently. Um, so stream of consciousness, just completely freestyle journaling. Um, and I would always recommend if you are. Practicing that type of journaling to try and fill up a pa- uh, like a full page, so single spaced, um, you know, whatever size handwriting, and of course you have to handwrite it. You can't you can't type it. Uh, there's something very different about that handwriting and getting it out um, through either handwriting, short form, or however you like to write. The other way to journal is to be a bit more structured and to answer questions. So I'll give you a couple of questions that when I have journaled in the morning, I like to answer. And I'll give you some sentence stems that I put together for when I am, I, t- I often journal in the evening and I often say this tongue in cheek, but I often find that the level of light outside is inversely proportionate to my anxiety level. So as it gets darker, my anxiety levels tend to climb and I have found this to be a pretty predictable pattern with women in particular. So in the morning, if you are answering, if you are creating a more structured form of journaling these would be some questions that I would ask. The first would be, what am I grateful for today? So even though it's the first thing in the morning, what are some of the things that you can already say are wins? Maybe it's that you made your bed. Maybe it's that you woke up. Maybe you know your heart is beating, that you are healthy, that you have a home, that you have food in the fridge. There are so many things that if you look for them, you will see that you are winning. The second question and this is borrowed from Danielle Laporte's work, who is also on the podcast. I would encourage you to check her out as well. Uh, I think she's episode six or seven. Um, the question here is, how do I want to feel today? And this is a really big question. We do not ask ourselves this often enough. So is it that you want to feel connected? Do you want to feel dedicated? Do you want to feel selfless? Do you want to feel sensuous? Do you want to feel inspirational? Do you want to have resonance? Do you want to feel heroic or driven or um, you know, complete? You, there's so many, do you want to feel relaxed? Do you want to feel joy? There's so many emotions that you may want to embody in one particular day. So identify the emotion that is going to be most helpful for you and throughout the day revisit that say is this bringing me joy is this bringing me a sense of peace is this helping me relax and try to have that as a through line for the day the other question that i like to journal about is how i am going to take care of my wise body today And I use the word wise intentionally because as intelligent as I think I am, my body always knows more than my brain does. So I try to intentionally honor the intuitive wisdom that my somatic form has. So I will ask myself how I'm going to honor my temple, my body today. So that might be through exercise. It might be through a walk. It might be through meditation, which we're going to talk about in a moment. It might be through Breath work, or taking a little nap um, in the afternoon if you need it. Uh, it might be making you laugh. You know at how you are going to be taking uh, control and taking um, self agency around your body. Those would be morning questions. In the evening, I would ask the following, or I would I would fill out the following if I'm doing structured journaling. Uh, I usually will fill most of these out in the evening. I am grateful today that I learned, insert dot, dot, dot. So that can be uh, whatever you felt that you learned today. I handled blank well because, and then again, fill in the sentence stem there. Blank lit me up today because, so a person, place, a thing that you did, I created simplicity today by fill in the blank. I prioritized my pleasure today by and then fill in the blank. And the word pleasure, I think, is um, often we think about it in the term in the context of sexual pleasure. And of course, we can talk about that because this is a really great time. I've talked about the importance of orgasms for men and women. So we can talk about this in the sensual. Uh, And the sexual sense, but also things that bring you joy. When we think about pleasure, like right now as I'm recording this, I'm just looking off to the side. I see my beautiful essential oil diffuser and I have some Douglas fir essential oil that's diffusing in this room. And that gives me a lot of pleasure because it tells me that I am taking um, ownership over my environment and I'm doing something that makes me feel really great. So that would be journaling. Um, That is something that you can do both in the morning or the evening or it can be one or the other. The other thing that you, of course, know that I'm going to talk about is exercise. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I've been putting out home exercises for you almost on the daily to give you some inspiration and some ideas in terms of how we can be dealing with this um, project or how we can be dealing with this pandemic. So weights are a really big uh, thing for me, so things like resistance training, and I like to think about resistance training as training your resistance. So we want to be thinking about weights. We know that the more mus, m- the more muscles that you have, the more resilient you are. You are physically stronger, but you are also physiologically. Stronger as well, but it can also be gentler. So it can also be dancing. It can, and for men and women, uh, for women in particular, again, getting into your hips. This is really important to be able to move your hips side to side and to feel that natural motion, that figure eight motion that um, the sacroiliac joint wants to. That's how your SI joint. That's how you walk. There's um, whenever you walk, there's uh, like a figure eight motion for um, to become ambulatory. But as women, I think that we often I mean we're not walking enough but I think it's also very pronounced in dancing. Uh yoga and pilates um can be wonderful. I mean just just choose something for you to be doing every day and I I will very transparently tell you you know my exercise has been wonderful since um since we have been self-quarantined or self-quarantining. Um but today I had on the schedule for myself to work out it was um sort of a moderate weight workout where I like to do about 20 reps of each exercise and then four sets of each. But today I just wasn't feeling it. Um, I've been been needing a bit more sleep, which I think is directly related to the stress response. So I'm feeling a bit more sleepy. And when I got downstairs to do my work today, I was like, you know, it's not going to be 20 today. It's going to be 12 (laughs) and it's going to be three sets. It's not going to be four. So really, also just having the intuitive capacity for you to know what you're capa- like to know what you're capable of on a day-to-day basis and just be open and flexible to those things changing. Um, so exercise can be yoga, it can be dancing, it can be Pilates, it can be weights, it can be cardio, it can be dancing with your kids. Um, I just posted the other day how I use my kids as my weights, so I use, I, I do kitty bell swings with them. Um, I do squats with them, I do all sorts of things. so uh, get creative with your exercise. The fourth thing I wanted to talk about, or the pardon me, the third thing I wanted to talk about, is meditation and mindfulness. So I mentioned this before but it's worth its own category. And when we think about the difference, and we spoke about this with Emily Fletcher on the podcast, I believe she was episode eight. Um, She defined mindfulness as the act of bringing awareness to the present moment. So an application like Muse, if you've seen the Muse headband, that is a mindfulness tool where you are bringing your focus to the present moment. Maybe you're focusing in on your breath. And mindfulness is really a uh, a gateway to meditation. And I am a really big fan of having a mindfulness practice as well as having a meditation practice. And when you are meditating, the way that Emily defines meditation is that it is deep deep rest that is eight times more restful than sleep. And when we talk about the difference between sleep and meditation, she talked about in the podcast as sleep being a time for rest for your brain so that your brain can clean itself up and recharge and get ready for the next day. And meditation is rest for your body. And this is really important because as we are very anxious and very worried right now, a lot of stress is being triggered in our nervous system. And of course, our nervous system is not only in our brain, but we have our spinal cord and the central and the peripheral nervous system that goes into our somatic and into our bodies. So very important to be practicing a meditation as well. And this can focus in on the breath. You can be focusing in on a mantra that you are saying, Over and over again, that gets you into that deep meditative state. And the fourth thing I want to just present to you in terms of mitigating and helping reduce your anxiety is to stop watching the damn news. And I've said this before, but the news, you know, we used to look at journalism as this you know, harrowed art of being able to be a trustworthy source. And of course, we've all seen images where people would huddle around their radios and they would watch the evening news as a a proxy for getting unbiased actual information. But we know that that is absolutely not the case anymore. When we look at any, and this is like politically agnostic, like any news, any news station it has political agendas, it has political motives, and you are just assume that you are not getting the whole story. And people are just giving their opinions rather than just stating facts. So stop watching the damn news. I would, um, in, particularly with coronavirus, I would be thinking about checking three main sources. One is the WHO, which is the World Health Organization, And of course, we can make arguments about whether they're politically motivated or not. But for right now, uh, the WHO, the CDC, again, arguably politically motivated, you know, in bed with, you know, big, big pharma and all that. But for now, we're going to check the CDC. And there's also a really great uh, John Hopkins University. um, uh, They have a coronavirus tracker, and I check that once a day as well. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And I would give yourself permission to check the news. Uh, So those three sources three times, two to three times a day maximum, you know, set the time in your day. So you're going to maybe check it in the morning, maybe once at lunch, and then, um, you know, maybe once in in the late afternoon. But I would not be on social media and I would not be consuming everybody's opinion about the coronavirus because you don't, at this point, it doesn't matter what your sister thinks about it or what your neighbor thinks about it or what Sally, you know, your high school friend on Facebook is doing a Facebook Live about it. You really do need to create strong boundaries around The information that you are letting in, I want you to think about protecting your mental health. Like, think about creating this bubble where you are, you control the information that comes in. Aimlessly scrolling on Facebook or aimlessly scrolling on Instagram or whatever platform you're on is not good for your mental health in the best of times. But now everybody has a say, everybody has a platform, everybody's doing lives every single day. Like, don't fall privy to that. Protect your bubble, okay. And then the last thing I, I I talked about this a little bit is I want you to be truly thinking about how this experience is going to change you for the better, how you are going to go into the chrysalis, how you are going to become the butterfly. You go in as a caterpillar and you emerge as the butterfly. And particularly if you are feeling vulnerable to the coronavirus, whether that is through uh, comorbidity issues like hypertension or diabetes or excess weight, let's think about what you can do right now. So the hand washing and the social distancing, but what you can be doing over the long term. So let's think about you know, maybe over the next month, you might say, I'm just going to give up soda. I'm just not going to drink soda. And I can tell you that people in my Online program, the Estima Diet. I've had people who have joined and you know paid for it and have done none of the protocols that I have put forward, but they've just given up soda and they've lost copious amounts of weight. You know, maybe you set a goal where you are going to drink one extra glass of water a day, or you are going to reduce your food. Instead of eating five or six times a day, you're going to just eat three times a day, like three square meals. And you are going to incorporate vegetables into every meal, or maybe you're going to decide that you're going to join an online community where you can be interacting with people who are just like you, who have the same goals as you, and where you have feel safe to, you know, share your frustrations and your fears and, you know, um, troubleshooting as you go along. And I am totally biased in this, but I think that the Estima Diet community, we have, you know, over a thousand women at this point. Uh, it is one of the best communities. Online for unbiased, non-judgmental, super supportive uh, group of women who are just cheering each other on. So, if that is something that is um, uh, something that you may be considering, I'll put the um, link for that in the in the show notes as well. And of course, those are beginner suggestions. So if you are someone who's just starting off on your weight loss journey, that might be some things. Of course, if you have already tried keto or you are already doing some sort of fasting, maybe you will commit to drinking three uh, three gallons of water a day or three liters of water a day. Maybe you are going to tighten up your fasting window or maybe you are going to join the Estima Diet because you, you know that it's about keto, but you also know that there's advanced techniques there in keto or there's advanced fasting techniques there in keto once you get to those points. So those are my best suggestions for you right now. I know that things can be uncertain, but we have to be able to accept responsibility that we have way more power, way more power than we actually give ourselves credit for. And this is going to be, if you follow some of these suggestions, even if you just, try on one of them um, you will find that your mental resilience your mental grit is going to improve exponentially and that is going to help you weather the storm in an appropriate way so that you can adapt appropriately to both your internal and your external environment so with that i want to thank you for listening i hope this has been helpful for you and let's keep the conversation going i am on instagram i'm on facebook very active on both those platforms and i would love to hear from you I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship form and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinion shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Asima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.